Take out your uh, family news bulletin. In there, there's a, there's a card. What we're trying to do is uh, update all of our records. Our goal is really to make sure that every single person here gets plugged in, that we communicate effectively with you. You know, some people have moved, some people have maybe uh, whatever the case may be, but I want to make sure we update our records. So if you could sometime uh, this, during this service, after the service, kind of uh, fill, that, fill that card out. If you've been here for, for 10 years, fill the card out. Uh, leave it on the seat or take it to the Welcome Center when you first came in. We'd really appreciate that so we can update those records. Also, I apologize. I know that uh, we ran out of bulletins. Um, first service was really packed, and this service, you know, we continue to grow, so we'll make sure we, uh, we have those bulletins. We increased the amount of bulletins that we are passing out. If you don't have a bulletin this morning and you're new, um, I apologize for that. Uh, we will sure have one uh, for you next week. If you are new and you do have a bulletin, there's a welcome card in that bulletin. Make sure you fill that welcome card out. Take it to Welcome Center when you first came in this morning, which is right behind this wall. And we have a, very, a couple of special gifts for you. So just great to have everyone here. We're, we're in a series called Inside Out. And this morning I want to talk about um, having the faith to change. Having the faith to change. In Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, we read, Immediately Jesus made his disi- the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him on the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they had climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, you might be thinking, what on earth does faith have to do with, with changing your life, with life change? I mean, it's a great, great verse, but what does it have to do with change? See, I believe Peter's story here helped build the foundation of the incredible transformation that we see in his life. All the different things that they've been through, all of them help build this foundation for the, for the incredible transformation, the incredible change that went on throughout their lives. You know, as I was studying this week, I came across an interesting scientific uh, experiment. A group of behavioral scientists wanted to see how long rats could stay alive uh, while swimming around. And so they got this tank, and the tank had really smooth sides, and there was no way for the rats to get out, no, one, no way to be rescued, no way for them to get up on something and, and, and help themselves. And so they put them in this tank, and the rats swam around um, until they, they drowned. And I, I, for one, think this should be illegal, but, you know, it's the experiment, so it is what it is. So they put the rats in there, and, and the average time for the rats' survival was 17 minutes. Stick the rats in the tank, throw them in there, they swim around, they, don't know what, they figure, hey, there's smooth sides, nowhere for us to get up. They give up and they, and they die and they drown. Well, they tried this experiment again. They took a, an, another group of rats and they stuck them in the exact same tank. 
And the rats were swimming around, nowhere for them to get up, no way to get out. And, and uh, the rats swam around until they were just about to go under. And when they were just about to drown, the experimenters scooped them up and saved them from the tank, took them to their little cages, put them in their cages, dried them off, put them inside the nice comfy cages, gave them some food and gave them some water and gave them a chance to play for a couple days, and then took the exact same rats and did the experiment again, stuck them back into the water to see how long they would survive. The average life, the average survival rate of the rats went from 17 minutes to 36 hours. I mean, that is just dramatic. And as I was reading this, it said they, they explained this amazing change by pointing out that the second time around, the rats had hope. The rats had hope built on their belief that they would survive because they, they received a helping hand before. So the rats basically went from 17 minutes to 36 hours because they had hope in the belief that they were going to be rescued once again like they had been rescued before. Hope and faith are the building blocks to our journey of change. I mean, if we don't have hope, if we don't have faith in Jesus Christ, if we don't have true faith in Jesus Christ, that we can change, that we can become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we can conform to His image, if we don't have that faith, we're not going to bring about the kind of change that God wants to see in our lives. Now, for many of you, your faith journey has just begun. Over the past three months, about 50 people have come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior here at Grace Chapel. So for many of you, this, this faith journey has just begun for you. For others, you've been on this journey for a while and you've seen God work in your life already. Even if you've been a Christian for just a year, a lot of young believers here. And even if it's just been a year, you've seen God work in your life already. And you've seen those changes. By the time Peter stepped out of this boat, Jesus had already done some amazing things uh, in his life. He's already, he'd already seen some amazing thing, things in his life. And, and those, those experiences, all those experiences led to growth in his life, led to spiritual growth, led to further growth. Now, you ever notice as you read this passage, you, know, you've been, you guys have been to different churches and you've, you've heard different things. Everyone likes to pick on Peter uh, and criticize him for his lack of faith. Oh, you know, see, he sank. That's the main, that, that's like the, build, he sank. That would be the headline in the newspaper. Peter sinks, lack of faith. And so that's what we do. We kind of throw this on him. But at least, my, my opinion is, at least Peter got out of the stinking boat. You know, at least Peter was willing to step out of the boat. Everybody wants to criticize the person who steps out and tries to do something, steps out in faith and tries to do something. But I say at least Peter had the courage to get out of the boat. I mean, to me, this means that Peter had already experienced some change in his life. He'd seen some things already that allowed him to want to step out in faith. Now, while, while Peter is attempting to walk on the water, my attention turns to the others and asks, what were the rest of them doing? You know, what were the others doing? Peter's trying to get out. He's stepping out in faith. And what were the others doing? You know, we can, we can, we can knock him for failing, but is, is that really true failure? See, I think the failure, to try, the failure to try is true failure. The failure to try is true failure. You want to bring about change in your life? You want to see transformation? We talked about this in the last four weeks. Then we're going to have to step out. And we're going to have to really try. We're going to have to step out in faith, even if it's, it's three-month-old faith or two-week-old faith, or one-year-old, or five-year-old faith, you're going to have to step out and try. Because we're going to try. Yes, we're going to fail. But ultimately, it is God's power working in us, inside out, that's going to bring about that change. So we just need to keep walking in the steps of Jesus. Faith, my friends, isn't truly faith until it's all you're holding on to. 
Faith isn't truly faith until it's all you're holding on to. The other disciples were in the boat holding on to the boat. It was Peter who stepped out and was holding on only to his faith. It's all he had to hold on to. Faith isn't faith until you're willing to step out of the boat and it's all that you're holding on to. We hold on to so many other things in our lives hoping that somehow this new thing or that new thing or this new whatever is gonna bring about the kind of change that we wanna see in our lives and it's not going to. We've tried that for long enough. Now we need to step out in faith and allow God to do the things that he needs to do in order to bring about that kind of change in our lives. Faith and with a change, often comes in the midst of a storm. And that's where we find our friend Peter. We find Peter in the midst of the storm. You know, the the storms of life bring about the kind of change that we need to see in our lives. Storms can seem overwhelming. And like the disciples, we often find ourselves in the middle of them. I mean, each one of us, we find ourselves in the middle of storms. There's not a person here who's of a certain age who has not faced a storm in their lives. We often find ourselves in storms of trial. We find ourselves in, in storms of difficulty. And they, they seem overwhelming. They, you know, the fear begins to just press down on us because these storms, they seem overwhelming. Even today, you might be facing a storm in your life. I mean, some of you might be facing an economic crisis that you're going through. I mean, this is, these are tough times. I learned, I was listening to the, to the news this week, and it said the, the, uh, the jobless rate dropped from, the unemployment rate dropped from 10.1 to 9.7. I thought, oh, that's good. It dropped. And then I found out later on it dropped because a million people decided I can't find a job, and they, they just gave up. That's why it dropped. People, more people were out of work that, went, that statistic went down because people lost hope. They gave up. People are in an economic crisis. Maybe you're in an economic crisis. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you are, it doesn't even have to be a crisis. If you have questions, if you, if you would like to, to build your foundation, your economic foundation so that you're, you can understand it better, if you're young and you need that help, on March the 1st, uh, Monday nights, we're starting for four weeks, starting March the 1st, we're going to do a, a, a finance class. And it's for anyone at any level, wherever you are. If you need help there, we want to help you. Child care is provided. We're going to meet here. And we want to encourage you because you may be in an economic storm right now, in an economic crisis. It may be that you have an issue in your marriage. Maybe your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're, you have a confrontation with a, with a friend, and that's really become a crisis in your life. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's just a relative that you're, you're in conflict with a relative uh, and, and you just don't know how to get over this. It, it's, it's a struggle for you and it's causing a storm in your family. Others, may, there may be storms of, of physical illness. It may be doubt, uh, doubts about your faith. And maybe that you're just, you're just going through so many overwhelming things. You need, to, you, make, you need to make a decision in your life, but it's a tough decision. You don't know how you're going to make it. It's just weighing down on you. So the storms of life continue to come. There's no way to avoid them. If you're living and breathing here today, you're going to go through the storms of life. We all face storms in life. Anyone who tells you that Christianity is smooth sailing on a calm sea doesn't understand the nature of faith. They're selling you a bill of goods. If someone says to you, all you need to do is accept Jesus, is click your heels together three times and you're off to Kansas. It's just wonderful. You're never going to face any kind of crisis. Not, you know, the Christian life is obviously the best life to live. I, I understand that. But if you think that it's going to be smooth sailing on calm seas as soon as you accept Jesus, that's just someone sold you something. 
That's not true. Any, any strong believer, any believer in Jesus Christ understands that we are going to face trials in life. We're going to face difficulties in life. God will even allow these to happen, even bring them into your life to help you change the direction of your life, help you to grow to become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Things aren't always calm. Things aren't always easy. Each one of us who have, have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ understand that for our lives. Now, while it's true that sometimes God will come in and calm the storm. I mean, he does that in our lives. There's no doubt about it. God will come in and calm the storms of your life sometimes, but most of the time, he calms us internally, inside out. He brings that calm to our spirit, and he allows us. He gives us the strength to get through the storm. He doesn't always take the storm away. Most of the time, he doesn't calm the storm. He calms you and gives you the strength to get through that storm, to think clearly, to understand maybe why you're going through it. What, what, what choices did you make to put yourself in a position where you're in that storm? What are, what are you doing in your life? What direction are you going where God wants to change your direction a little bit? You know, whatever the case may be, God will calm you, help you to see and he will get you through that storm. Regardless of where the storms come from, there's always a purpose. There's always a purpose. And most of the time, that purpose is spiritual growth. God wants us to grow spiritually. He wants us to understand who he is. He wants us to be more like him. There's a purpose in it, and that purpose is spiritual growth. In James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials help us grow. Trials help us grow. They help us change the direction of our lives. And a lot of us need some directional change. And throughout our lives, there's not one person here at some point in your life that God doesn't need to come in and kind of move things around and change the direction of your life a little bit. Remember, remember Jonah? You know, Jonah, God says to go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, I'm not going, I don't like the Ninevites. They're a bunch of bums. They're our enemies. I'm getting on a ship and I'm going in a different direction. So he moves in a different direction. And what does God do? God says, no. Uh, he sends a storm and he changes Jonah's course. He changes the course of his life. How many of us, how many of us are going off and saying to God, God's saying, you know what God's direction is for your life. You know the roadmap. You know where he wants you to go. He wants you to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We all know that. We all know that, but we still go off in this direction because we see something over here that's interesting or we think we're going to get there our own way. Or if you're a high school student, you think, or a junior high student, well, uh, I have time for that. I'll do this. I'll run around here and do this, that, and the other thing. And someday when I grow up a little bit, then I'll be more spiritual and then I'll be, and then I'll be. That's not the case. God is saying to us right now, here's the roadmap. So we go off in our own direction. And what God is saying to us is, you know what? I need to, I need to, divide, to create a little course change in your life. Maybe a storm comes into your life to move you in the right direction because God knows better than we know what will happen if we continue to go down that path. Our lives could be destroyed. Or at least we're not going to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. God has a specific plan for us as individuals and as a church. And God wants to keep us on that path. And when we get off that path and we do our own thing, God is going to allow storms to come into our lives sometimes to make sure that we stay on that path. Now, you know, some of you obviously are going in the wrong direction. 
You're going in the wrong direction. And, and don't be surprised if you're going in the wrong direction that you don't end up sinking in a pit of despair or you find yourself in chaos and turmoil and confusion. You wonder, why is my life going the way it's going right now? I don't understand. Why am I in such pain here? Why am I in pain over here? Why, why are things so chaotic? It may be that your life is so chaotic and so much turmoil and so much confusion because you're going in the wrong direction and God wants to make a course change in your life. He wants to change you. You see, the good thing is whether you cause the, the storm, whether the evil one causes the storm, or whether God brings the storm, all of it is for our benefit. All of it will help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. All things, your, your mistakes, whatever comes in, all things work together for good for those who love God and have been called according to his purpose. All these things God can use. So God wants a course direction in our lives. He wants to see us change. He wants that to happen. Now, I believe the purpose of this storm was to help the disciples grow. He wanted them to grow. We need to understand that. He wanted them to grow in their faith. And Jesus was trying to bring them out, bring about this dynamic transformation in their lives. And, and, and one of the reasons that Jesus was trying to do this because Jesus was God and Jesus understood the purpose that he had for his disciples. He understood the purpose. And understanding the purpose, Jesus realized what it was going to take, what kind of change needed to take place in their lives in order to help them fulfill that purpose. They were where they were, and you read to the, the New Testament, and you're like, oh my goodness. Every time you turn around and you read, you're going, oh my goodness. These guys, don't, these guys need to get their heads on straight. I can't believe that they did that. I can't believe it. Thank goodness it wasn't any one of us they were reading about, because we were like, oh my goodness. Same thing. And Jesus knew that they had a specific purpose. And Jesus knew that it was going to be a challenge for them to live out that purpose. And so Jesus was going to do everything in his power to make sure that he prepared them for the future. He knew what the future was going to bring. They were not ready to face their own future. Major changes needed to be made. And it's the same thing today. If God, if I just told you to close your eyes, right? You close your eyes and then special revelation come to every single one of us individually and God showed you the plan that he has for your life. I'm sorry, but some people would sit here for about a day terrified at what they saw. Not that it was so bad, but that it was so overwhelming. I cannot believe that that's God's plan for my life, that that's what God ultimately has for me to do. It would almost be overwhelming. And if he laid out your purpose, my question to you is, would you be ready? If, if he had that special revelation, he showed you what he was going to do, would you be ready? Would you be ready right now? Most of us would raise our hands in fear and say, absolutely not. There are some things that have happened in my life that if God showed me what was going to happen beforehand, I think I would have hurled up, uh, curled up in a corner and just kind of waited for it all to be over. But God knows that he's going to use us in powerful ways. God knows that he wants, to, he wants to invest in our lives. He knows what we were created to be and created to do. And so he's, he's preparing us for our future. Through all these things, he's preparing us for our future. And that's what Jesus was doing. We need, we need, we need more confidence. We need more courage. We need a greater capacity. Storms build faith. Faith brings change. Storms will build your faith, and faith 
will bring about change in your life. Peter stepped out in faith with expectation. He had some expectations. He wanted to see some things happen. Now, a lot of people love the end of this story. I, I, I listen to it I, you know, as you read different things. People love, some of the commentators too, oh, Peter should have never stepped out in the first place. This was wrong of him to step out in the first place. It was, a, you know, it was, a, it was just his rashness. And, and so people sometimes love this story because they love the ending where he sinks and see, he failed. And they say the reason he failed is because he should have he, he left before he looked. He should have planned better. He should have had things lined up. He should have thought about it. He should have, you know, all these kinds of things. He should have all his T's crossed and all his I's dotted. And before you're going to step out and do something like this, you need to make sure. I'm thinking, what? I mean, what, what, how does that line of thinking fit into Jesus telling his disciples, drop your nets and come and follow me? I mean, Jesus sometimes just basically looks at you and says, here's what I want you to do. Now, obviously, don't get me wrong, we should plan. We should have, you know, we should have things to the best of our ability. But there are some times in life, and especially when it's one of those things where God is really, he says, step out in faith. You're not going to have all the answers. Trust me. Step out of the boat and trust me. And it's the people sometimes who sit back and say, oh, see, that's where he, he should have done this, he should have done that. There are some, scripture is clear that Jesus sometimes is going to say, sell all your possessions and come and follow me. Drop your nets and come and follow me. And so before we criticize Peter for not having all his ducks lined up and all these kinds of things, you know, Jesus, Jesus called these men a dramatic change in their lives. He said, listen, I want you to go from the life you're living now to a completely different life. Jesus had a specific plan in mind for them. Leave your old life, follow me. If Jesus called, if Jesus called us and, and to, to step out of that boat, Right now, and whatever it means for you, if Jesus called you to step out of that boat right now, I think a lot of people, not, I'm not going to say them all, but I'm going to say a large part of Christianity, you know what they would do? They would play, say, you know what? Better time to step out of the boat is in the winter. In the winter. Think about it. You know, get, wait, till, wait, wait till the weather like now is out there. Well, get some ice. You know what I'm saying? Let's wait till it's winter. Then we'll step out of the boat because you've got a nice thick layer of ice. But even at that, people, uh, another group of people would look over there and say, I wonder how thick the ice is. And I wonder if I step out, am I going to fall? Am I going to walk out a little ways and fall through the ice? You know, we should get a tester out there or whatever else. And we would come up with all these, these excuses because that's what they are. Sure, we should plan. But I'm not, let's just lay aside the fact that we should plan uh, when we can for certain things. Build, build a vision and a mission and values and all. Let's just say that's the right thing to do because it is. But there's sometimes Jesus tells you, get out of the stinking boat right now. It's the same thing as when you're serving in the church. You know, people, if, if, I, if, if I say, can you move that from here to there? Some people say, well, that's not my gift. I didn't ask you for your gift. I, mean, I asked you to move that from here to here. It's, not, it's, it's just not a matter of your giftedness. It's a matter of obedience. Please do what I'm asking you to do. God is sometimes going to say to us, pick up that board and move it from here to here. He's not interested if it's your gift or not. Right now, he wants you to do that. Right now, he wants you to act out on what he's called you to do. And I think sometimes what we do is we make excuses. I think these are excuses Oh, he should have done this, he should have done this. The problem is most people, here's why, here's why they make excuses. Because most people are satisfied living the lives of living right now. You're com it's comfortable. It's comfortable. My New York accent, it's comfortable. It's <laughs> I get worked up sometimes, you may notice, and my New York accent comes back in, comfortable, or draw. <laughs> it's comfortable. 
It's comfortable, so we're satisfied. We're comfortable right where we are. We don't want to change, but that's not Peter. That is not Peter, and that's not what God wants for us. You know, I was thinking as I was writing this sermon too, another, another group of men that got together, 12 men that got together who were called uh, as a group to make a decision, to make a choice. You remember when Moses called the leaders of the 12 tribes together and he wanted him to go and spy out the promised land? And so he called 12 leaders together, not, hey, you 12 standing in a circle, come on over here, 12 leaders so he calls the leaders together. He says, to go, go spy out the promised land. Let me read you what it says in Numbers chapter 13, chapter 13, verses 26 through 33. Here's what it says. So he sends them out. Now they're coming back. Now they're coming. They saw the land. Now they're coming. This is the promised land flowing with milk and honey. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite uh, community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and large. Even, we, we even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb, so Caleb and Joshua were there. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. You got 10 others over here going, man, a lot. There was all these there were people over there. They were scary. It was scary. Yeah, it's exactly what God said it would be. It's exactly what we want. But I'm telling you, this, this is scary. So Caleb says, hey, we can do this. We can do this. We can get out of the boat. Let's get out of the boat and go do it. Let's step out in faith. I know they're big. I know they're mean. I know they're ugly. But let's step out and do it anyway because God called us to do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do that. Caleb and Joshua were the only two who were willing to step out in faith. They were the only two who said, we can do this. They were the only ones willing to change their direction, change their destination, and ultimately change their destiny. They were the only two. So as we sit here this morning, one of the questions I have for you is you want to change your life. You want to be a part of that change. But in order to be a part of the true transformation that we're talking about from the inside out, you need to be one of the two and not one of the ten. If you look at the numbers always, it's like got this 12 going on. You know, you got Peter stepping out of the boat. He was one, one from among all of them. In the Israelites, you have the, a group of 12 leaders, two of them. So my question to you is, who says you're going to be one of the two instead of one of the ten? How do you know you're going to be one of the two and one of the, instead of one of the ten? Because the ten are always going to tell you why you should stay just where you are. It's fine just the way you are. You're spiritually strong enough just the way you are. Hey, you know what? Let's not get radical. Let's not get too, too radical about this. Let's not, get, let's not become fanatics about this whole Christianity thing. You just stay in your boat. You just relax. Everything's good. I'll keep rowing. You keep rowing. And hopefully we'll get somewhere in our lives. That's not the way it goes. Who, when, when God calls us out, we need to be one of the two and not one of the ten who are going to complain and tell you why, why it can't be done. Only Peter asked Jesus if he could join him out there. It was only Peter. He, he was only one willing to change his, 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 his destination, his location. God wants us to change our location. Where you are right now, God will accept you 
as you are. If, you're, if you come here for the first time in your life, God will accept you as you are. He will, I promise, he will. But he doesn't want you to stay where you are. Jesus is, if you're following Jesus, he's going somewhere. He'll accept you as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay where you are. God wants us to move, and Peter was willing to change his location. Jesus says, come, and Peter obeys him. I don't know how far he walked. Here's the thing. I don't know how far Peter walked, but I'll tell you how. He walked further than all the others. People will criticize Peter for sinking. How far did he get? It doesn't matter how far he got. At least he got further than all the others. This was amazing. Think about this. I mean, man, the opportunities. Peter got to walk on water. He got to defy the laws of the universe. All the laws that we go by, Peter just basically defied the laws. He broke the laws of the universe. He broke all the scientific laws. He walked on water. He walked on water. He got to do something that no one else had ever done before except for Jesus. He got to walk on the water. I mean, absolutely extraordinary. And he got to walk on the water because he was willing to walk away from where he was to where God wanted him to be. We are where we are, my friends, but that is where God wants us to be, conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. I will walk you through it. We will walk through together. I accept you for where you are. If you've been coming to this church for very long, you know I'm not pounding on you saying you're not good enough. You're not far enough along. I say let's do life together. Everyone admit where they are so no one's just being a liar about it and and putting on a mask when you come to church. Just express where you are and then let's just do life together. And whether you're you're a younger Christian and you're, you're just getting your feet wet, you're an older Christian, let's start out where we are, but ultimately let's keep walking toward the cross, being conform to the image of Jesus Christ. No judgment. No one holding, thinking they're holier than thou, but holding each other up and helping each other become more like Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for us. He, Peter was willing to go from where, from where he was to where God wanted him to be, and that's what he got to experience. Don't you want to have, didn't you ever want to walk across the water? And I'm not talking just literally, but didn't you ever want to walk across the water or pass through the sea or face the giants or, 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 the, or, the, you know, or face the lions? Didn't you ever want to live out what the Word of God teaches us? to literally live it out in our lives, whatever that means for you, to break free from that fear, to not fear the thing that's held you back all of your life, to conquer, to take the giant by the throat and have him under your heel instead of having him hit you under his heel. I mean, that's what we want. That's what, and that's what God offers. We are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ living in us. Nothing in this world can stand in our way of, of, of the change that we need to make. Nothing. Only you. You're the only blockade to changing and becoming the person that God has created you to be. Satan is not even close to powerful enough to stop you from becoming the person you were created to be. God certainly doesn't want to stop you because he told you what to do. So the only person stopping you is you. It may be scary, it may be difficult, but I say we do it together. We work together to change the direction of our lives. We become more conformed to the image of, our son, of his son, Jesus Christ. Peter wanted to be like Jesus regardless of the risk. He wanted to be like Jesus regardless of the risk. He knew that whatever God commanded him to do, that God would give him the power to do. Now, as I was reading this again, you got to get it in context. You got to read the whole context. That means what's happened before, what's happening after. Before this... 
You have the feeding of the 5,000. So as I was reading through this, it's this, this whole commentary just keeps going. It just keeps running into it. The feeding of the 5,000 and, and Peter walking on the water is, is one long story. So I'm looking at this and saying, you know, what may have happened here that inspired Peter? And I think, I think that Peter may have been inspired by Andrew in the feeding of the 5,000. Because it was Andrew who brought the little boy with the loaves and the fish to Jesus to feed the 5,000. You see, remember when Jesus said, they were saying, oh, Lord, we got to send these people away because, you know, they, um, they need to eat. And so we'll send them. Jesus said, you feed them. And it was Andrew, quiet Andrew. We don't hear much about Andrew. But it was Andrew who brought the little boy with the loaves and the fish to Jesus, not knowing exactly what was going to happen. But here's what Andrew did know. Andrew realized that Jesus was not going to, that, that God is not going to ask him to do something that he wasn't going to give him the power to do. He, he realized that. God's not going to ask me to do something. Jesus is not going to ask me to do something that he's not going to give me the power to do. God's not going to ask you to change or be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ, if he's not going to give you the power to do it. He's given you the power through his, the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, through God, the Holy Spirit, living in you. So Andrew realized that. It was right after the feeding of the 5,000 that Peter then got into the boat, and then he got his chance to walk on the water. And I, I, I see this connection that Peter may have been inspired by Andrew. I think Peter realized something that we need to realize. It is better to be out of the boat with Jesus than to be in the boat without Jesus. It is better to be out of the boat and with Jesus than to be snug in the boat without Jesus. If we want to change, we need to get out of the boat and we need to walk with Jesus. My friend, if you're up the creek without a paddle, it is time to get out of the boat and change your direction, change your destination, change your location. If you think about it, Peter's like many of us. He began really well. He did. He began well. He actually got out of the boat. But then he took his eyes, he took his focus off of Jesus Christ, and he began to sink literally back into his old way of thinking. There's the problem. Sinking, the physical sinking, came from the fact that he, he, he went back into his old way of thinking. He was literally sinking back into his old way of thinking. Therein lies the problem. What we focus on in life will either feed our faith or feed our fear. What you focus on in your life will either feed your faith which will bring about change or feed your fear. And fear is the roadblock to change. Peter stepped out in, in faith. He stepped out in faith. And, and, and when his faith began to wane, Jesus reached out his hand and he pulled him up. He corrected him and they got back into the boat together. They got in there together. When Jesus calls us, we need to have the courage to step out. We need to have the courage to change. If we sink, he's going to reach out and he's going to rescue us. We need to realize that. We need to have the faith to know that Jesus is going to be there. Jesus called what was going on in Peter's heart doubt. He said to Peter, why did you doubt? That's what he said to him. Why did you doubt? Now, what doubt, what doubt is he talking about here? James 1 calls the person who doubts a double-minded man. In James chapter 1, it says he is a double-minded man. Peter's heart was divided in two. He had the faith to step out of the boat, 
but his faith waned when he got out there and he saw the wind and he began to sink. That's when his faith began to wane. And, and, and he thought, he was thinking honestly that Jesus wasn't going to save him. He had a faith enough to get out of the boat, but then when he took his eyes off Jesus and all these other things were going on, he didn't have faith enough to realize that Jesus could save him in the midst of all this difficulty. As Peter began to sink, under the raging waves. He feared for his life, even though Jesus was so close by. Because it says that Jesus, when Peter began to sink, immediately reached out his hand, immediately reached out his hand and lifted him up. But then Jesus said to Peter, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? My friends, it was fear and doubt that kept the Israelites from entering the promised land. It was fear and doubt that kept the rest of the disciples in the boat. And it will be fear and doubt that keep you from growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It will be fear and doubt that keep you from fulfilling your purpose in Jesus Christ. It will be fear and doubt that doesn't allow you to make the changes and bring about the transformation that God wants to see in your life. It will be fear and doubt. It's always the same story. Nothing changes here. Fear and doubt is what keeps us from becoming the people that God has created us to be. How has fear and doubt kept you from changing? You have to ask that question to yourself. Think about it. The fear of your past and what you've been through. The fear of what it's going to take to overcome that past. The fear of what people may think if you step out when you're in high school and you want to be, you want to be bold for Christ and you don't want to be like everyone else. It is the fear and the doubt in your own heart that keeps you from becoming the person that God has created you to be. See, I don't believe that Jesus was calling into question Peter's water-walking faith. I don't think that was being called into question but it was Peter's lack of faith that Jesus Christ would save him. That was called into question. One commentator put it this way, and I absolutely love it. It says, it was true faith. It was true faith that did not survive the crisis. It was true faith. It was true faith, but that faith did not survive the crisis. What are you going through in your life, and will your faith survive the crisis that you're going through right now? Is your faith going to get you through the crisis that you're facing right now? I love that. It was true faith that did not survive the crisis. I think Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, after calling you out of the water, why did you doubt that I would save you when you were sinking? You know, brother, you may have lost sight of me, but I never lost sight of you. We need to remember that. We lose sight of Jesus sometimes, but Jesus is saying, I never lose sight of you. I know what you need. I'm there for you. You start to sink I'm going to be there for you. Jesus wants us to draw near to him, knowing full well, knowing full well that we are going to sink from time to time, knowing full well that we're going to fail from time to time. But Jesus says, I, I'm going to be there for you. You need to stay focused on me. You're going to sink from time to time. You're going to fail from time to time when you take your focus off of me. But even then, I'm going to be with you. And when you do start to sink, when you st do start to falter, you need to remember that, that I, Jesus, say, would say that I'm only, uh, my rescuing hand, my rescuing hand is only a prayer away. When you start to falter, when you start to sink, when, when you start to fail, my rescuing hand is only, only a prayer away. God wants us to succeed. God knows that when we step out of the boat, some of us are going to sink. God knows that there are going to be times where you try and you fail, but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Just get out of the boat. Just get out of the boat. It may seem safe in there. It's not. The boat consists of a life of mediocrity, a mediocre life, an, a dead end. It's a dead end life. 
There is no change in the boat. There's just fear and doubt. And Jesus is saying, get out of the boat. I know you're going to fall sometimes. I know you're going to fail sometimes over and over and over again. But you know what? You're out of the boat. We're walking together. I'm in this with you. It isn't your power. It's my power. I'm going to change you from the inside out, not from the outside in. Just just step out of the boat. And whatever storm you find yourself in this morning, you need to realize, you need to have faith that God can use that to bring about change in your life. Whatever you're going through, God can use that to bring about change in your life. Don't let doubt and fear rob you of your purpose in life, my friends. I love you too much. I don't want doubt and fear to rob you of the purpose that he has for your life. We're all in this together. We're gonna do, we're gonna do, we've done amazing things in the last 10 years. You haven't seen anything yet. Not because of how great we all are, but because how great he is. And if we just trust him and know that God can use us and not allow our fear and doubt to stop us, God's gonna do amazing things in our church. God is calling you, my friends, to experience a transformed life. He's calling each one of us to experience a transformed life. Have the courage. Have the faith. Have the courage to step out and live it. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you for every single person here. And Father, I I hold my hand up over every single person here and pray a blessing on their lives. Whether they've been here, this is their first time here, been a Christian for 30 years or 30 days, I, I, I ask you for a blessing on their lives. I ask, Lord God, that you would anoint them in a powerful way, that they would sense your Holy Spirit, that they would recognize the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, in their lives to do all things. God, we just need to get out of the boat. That's the hardest part sometimes, Lord. Kick us out of the boat, turn the boat over, do whatever you need to do, but get us out of the boat of mediocrity, the boat of stagnation, the boat of limbo, of going nowhere. And allow us, Lord God, if we trip, if we stumble, just allow us to walk with you. Strengthen us when we need the strength. Carry us when we need to be carried. Send the storms when they need to come, Lord, but change our direction and help us be more conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, each and every day. We pray in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. See you Wednesday night for more discussion on this topic, 6.30.